0: All right. If you've ever, uh, if you've listened to the program long enough, you uh, probably have uh, heard me talk about, you know, my sort of my general political philosophy here. Um, And it's and I've referred to myself as as this for a long time as lowercase L libertarian. I am libertarian. I'm not a libertarian, like a capital L registered libertarian party member for many reasons. You know, strip teases and such at national conventions being one of the major ones, but also, um, you know, disagreements on some pretty core capital L libertarian party positions, Uh, for example, uh, foreign policy stuff, immigration, border control. I'm not in line with the party on uh, on a lot of their uh, positions on that. And that's and that's fine. Um, I've been politically unaffiliated. Gosh, now. Going on twenty years, I had registered as a libertarian in North Carolina. They did not get enough uh, votes in one of the gubernatorial elections, maybe two thousand, and so they got uh, delisted as an official third party. Because if you don't, back then the the ballot access laws in North Carolina were more stringent than they are now, which is why you have you know more third party or or I hate the term third party, but um, you, you had more other parties. Uh, you have now more other parties able to get access to the ballot than you did back then. And it's a time consuming and expensive process to get back onto the ballot as an officially recognized party. Um, You got to go out and get signatures. And and that means you got to, you know, get volunteers or pay people to go out there and get signatures and refile all this stuff with the board of elections. So it's better if you can, you know, field candidates, win a certain percentage of the vote. I forget what it is now. It may be 1%, something like that. Maybe it's five. I've, I think it's one because the Libertarians now have a pretty good – got a pretty good foundation that they're building off of, so they they don't have to spend – they're not getting delisted anymore. But anyway, I say all of that just to say that when I initially got – when I was registered as a Capital L Libertarian Party member, um, they got delisted. And so what happens in North Carolina is anybody who was registered Libertarian gets put into the unaffiliated camp. And so I just stayed there. And, you know, living in Charlotte, in the different areas of Charlotte, and then living in Asheville, uh, if I was a registered Republican, I would not be able to vote in a lot of the local primary races that are partisan. And I, as an unaffiliated voter, I do get to vote in whichever primary I choose. So I choose different primaries based on, you know, are, are there local elections, like the last time around in Mecklenburg I wanted to vote against the sheriff in the Democrat primary. So I voted in the Democrat primary to vote against the sheriff and he, and of course he won. Um I don't have a good track record. <laughs> like usually if I if I'm supporting somebody chances are they're losing, okay? So and I'm sorry for that. That's just it tends to be. I mean I'm not saying everybody I vote for loses. I don't know, just usually the ones that I the, the ones that I'm really pulling for, they lose. So I say all of that to say that uh, as one who is libertarian, not a libertarian, but one who is, who identifies as a libertarian, um, there are not a lot of wins for me. And I have come to accept this over the course of my adult life. I have come to accept uh, that usually the people I am supporting don't win. And and that's why I always, you know, I feel for people who uh, are very upset when they're candidates lose I because I get it and I understand you know when people are really excited that their candidate uh has won like how exciting that must be it's a it's an experience I don't think I've really ever had but uh, <laughs> and but it's also why I have I think um this uh this belief that you know you don't fall in love with politicians because they'll always break your heart because they're humans uh, you know and as one who is libertarian, a lot of them break my heart because and I say that, you know, metaphorically, they, it's not that I'm in love with them as some people fall in love with candidates and they actually are in like wild eyed crazed lover in love with their candidates. Um, and that's, that's not healthy. It's not healthy. You owe them nothing, right? You can vote for them. If they're not doing what you want them to do, you can vote against them. That's, that's the way it's supposed to go. I say all of that to say, Man, I really hope this guy Javier Millet, the Argentinian new president, I really do hope that this guy well is not suicidal. Because that's I'm afraid that might happen to him. I'm afraid someone might suicide him. This guy I, I talked a little bit about him when he first won the election. He, I, I was I am not a follower of Argentinian politics, okay cards on the table, not an, not an expert in Argentinian politics uh, unlike uh, you know spy balloons and uh, submersibles that implode. I be, I, I, and, and Ukrainian <laughs> military history. No, I'm not an expert on these things. Most people are not, right? Most people are not. however, When this guy won and people were comparing him to Donald Trump. And I think that's just because the hair, because he's got some crazy hair going on. He's not Donald Trump, folks. Okay, he's libertarian. He's libertarian. And he is he was put into power by voters. He became president, promising massive cuts to the national government there. There was one video he put out during the campaign and he's got uh, all of these, I think there were post-it notes on a big dry erase board. And each of the post-it notes was like, you know, Ministry of Education, Ministry of the Interior, Ministry, He had all these different governmental agencies. And he's walking down one by one. He's reading them out, and of course, in Spanish. And he's reading them out and he just rips them off the board. Cut! <laughs> Cut! Just, you know, he's like, we're going to get rid of all of these different government programs because Argentina, uh, Argentina has been uh, in decline for a long time. And uh, they've got uh, a lot of socialistic policies that they've adopted over the course of a century. And the country has been in a downward spiral for decades. And so he rode the wave of dissatisfaction. uh, And he is now he's an economist, too. He's an economist who talks about Ludwig von Mises. And if you don't know anything about economists or economics and theory and that sort of thing. Read von Mises. Go to vonmises.org, actually. Read him. Read von, Ludwig von Mises. Um, Hayek. Friedrich Hayek. Right. These are... Uh, this is what's called the Austrian School of Economics. This guy knows his economic theory. He went to the World Economic Forum yesterday. He walked into the belly of the globalist beast. And he spoke liberty... To power. It was amazing. Like I said, as a person who is libertarian, I don't have a lot to celebrate on this stuff. And so I'm going to take this opportunity to celebrate this man and what he did yesterday. And and his message to entrepreneurs all over the globe. That he's got your back. Argentina is your ally. And you are heroes. You are heroes, he said. Entrepreneurs make the world run and it's the reason why people and I've been talking about this for years, it's the reason free market capitalism is the reason why so many people on the planet have been lifted out of abject poverty and destitution. No other system, no other system can claim the success that capitalism has. Which is why they keep trying to change the message. <laughs> they keep trying to change their their uh, their approach, their attacks. Because socialism, collectivism, it's got a record that's so abysmal that only academics could ignore it. I have gone through, I'll tell you real quick here, I've gone through the speech. He did it in Spanish. So rather than give you the, um, rather than give you the, like the, The English translator guy speaking over the Spanish speaker because to me that's always unsettling. Like unless you can read along with like a transcript or something, it's it's tough, right? It's tough to listen to on the radio. So rather than do that, and rather than have me read the speech with like a Spanish dialect or something just to make it seem legit, I found an AI translation. I have finally found something AI is good at, is good for. And this is it. It took it took comments that he has made over the course of his career in English. AI then pulls out certain elements of the vocabulary, inflections and, and sounds and patterns and stuff. It takes that, and basically then you just load in the Spanish transcript, and AI translates it and puts it in his voice. With the Spanish accent. It's pretty amazing. So you're going to hear his quotes from this speech. And if you're any sort of anywhere on the libertarian spectrum, I think you will enjoy it. I think you will enjoy it. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart. Carolina readiness supply has 2000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com. veteran owned Carolina readiness supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Washington examiner headline Argentine 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 Presidente Javier Millet warned a forum of international economic elites that their growing embrace of a collectivist ideology in the name of social justice has endangered Western society. He wasted no time laying out the premise here.
1: Today, I am present to inform you that the Western world is facing a significant threat. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a worldview that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently to poverty and economic deprivation. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Yes! Trust me, there is no one better than us Argentines to provide testimony on these two issues. When we embraced freedom in 1860, in 35 years we became the world's first dominant power. 35 years we became the first world power. While when we embraced collectivism over the past 100 years, we saw how our citizens began to systematically impoverish themselves until they fell to the 140th position in the world.
0: To the 140th position in the world. He goes on to uh, uh, to say that the data, and he produces all this data, which I won't go over the numbers and stuff, but he produces all this data to support the assertion that the free market capitalist system is the better system to end world poverty but also the only morally desirable one to do so that's what he said the morally desirable one to do so per capita gdp has remained constant stagnant going back to year 0 in in you know world history going back to year 0 all the way to 1800 stagnant and then it shoots up like a, it looks like a hockey stick, right? Like the climate changers were. Uh, we're talking about the uh, the global warming and such, right? It's a hockey stick. It's flat, flat, flat. Then boom, GDP starts growing and it just takes off. That's what the free market system has done. There was there was a little blip. There was a blip sometime in the uh, uh, like around sixteen hundreds or so, and that was the that was when Columbus landed. In America, there was a little bit of a blip there. Not 1619, no. Just saying. There was a there was a, boop, a little uptick there, and then it was flat again, and then right around the 1800s, Industrial Revolution, everything takes off. The hockey stick of human history. I want to give credit to... I'm going to mispronounce his name. I know it. Matija Gritchik. He's the one who did the programming, got the AI to translate and then construct... Javier Millet's speech from the World Economic Forum yesterday. Um, I sent out the uh, the link in a in a tweet to the full YouTube video if you want to watch it. Um, but this is an AI construct of Millet using his own language, his own uh, speech, basically, but translated uh, to Amer uh, to English rather to American. Well, yeah, I guess to American, but to English, American English. All right, so he's talking about the hockey stick, stagnant human history and growth. Uh, GDP per capita remained constant. And then all of a sudden, boom, this sharp spike in the 19th century. Oh, hang on a second. I muted it during the break. Hang on. I muted my... All right. Take two.
1: Now, when studying per capita GDP from 1800 to today, what is observed is that after the Industrial Revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by more than 15 times, generating an explosion of wealth that lifted 90% of the world's population out of poverty. We must never forget that by the year 1800, about 95% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty, while that number dropped to 5% by the year 2020 prior to the pandemic. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free market capitalism as an economic system is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and destitution throughout the planet. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. Therefore, as there is no doubt that free market capitalism is superior in productive terms, the left's doxa has attacked capitalism for its moral issues, for being, according to them,
0: as its detractors say, unjust. He said collectivists then claim capitalism is bad, because it's individualistic and collectivism is good because it's altruistic towards others. And so they strive for social justice.
1: The issue is that social justice is unfair and doesn't contribute to general well-being. On the contrary, it's an inherently unfair idea because it's violent. It's unfair because the state is financed through taxes and taxes are collected coercively. Or can any of us confidently say that they pay taxes of their own free will? This implies that the state is funded through coercion and that the higher the tax burden, the greater the coercion, leading to a reduction in freedom. Yes. Those who promote social justice start from the idea that the economy as a whole is a cake that can be distributed in a different way. But that cake is not given. It is wealth that is generated in what, for example, Israel Kirshner calls a market discovery process. If the good or service that a company offers is not desired, That company goes bankrupt unless it adapts to what the market is demanding. Create a high quality product at a good price or attractive, succeed and produce more so the market is a process of discovery where the capitalist finds the right direction on the go. But if the state punishes the capitalist for success and blocks him in this process, it destroys his incentives. And the consequences are that he will produce less and the cake will be smaller, generating harm to society. Collectivism by inhibiting discovery and hindering appropriation ties the entrepreneur's hands, preventing him from producing better goods and offering better services at a better price. How can it be then that from academia, international orgs, politics and econ theory, an econ system is demonized that not only has lifted 90% of the world's pop out of extreme poverty and does so increasingly faster, but it's also fair and morally superior?
0: Good question. How is it demonized like that? Thanks to capitalism, the world is currently in its best moment, he said.
1: There has never been a moment in history with greater prosperity than the one we live in today. Today's world is freer, richer, more peaceful, and more prosperous than ever before. This is true for everyone, but particularly for those countries that are free, where they respect economic freedom and individual property rights. Because free countries are 12 times richer than repressed ones. Saying goes that in countries with freedom, people live better than 90% of population in repressed countries. It has 25 times fewer poor people in the standard format and 50 times fewer in the extreme format. And if that weren't enough, citizens of free countries live 25% longer than citizens of repressed countries.
0: He then defines libertarianism. To define it, I
1: take up the words of the greatest proponent of the ideas of freedom in Argentina, Professor Alberto Venegas Lynch, who says that libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others based on the principle of non-aggression and in defense of the right to life, liberty and property, whose fundamental institutions are private property, free markets without state intervention, free competition, division of labor and social cooperation where one can only be successful by serving others with goods of better quality at a better price. In other words, the capitalist, the successful entrepreneur is a social benefactor who contributes to the well being of society as a whole. Yes. In short, a successful entrepreneur is a hero. This is the model that we are proposing for the future of Argentina. A model based on the fundamental principles of libertarianism, the defense of life, freedom, and property.
0: If free market capitalism and economic freedom have been so good at eradicating global poverty, why is he asserting then that the West is in danger?
1: I argue that the West is endangered as in countries defending free market, private property, and other institutions of libertarianism, sectors of the political and economic establishment, due to errors in their theoretical framework and ambition for power, undermine libertarianism, opening doors to socialism and potentially condemning us to poverty, misery and stagnation. Because it should never be observed that socialism is always and everywhere impoverishing, failed in all countries where attempted. It was a failure economically. It was a failure socially. It was a failure culturally. And it also killed more than 100 million human beings. Mm -hmm. The main problem of the West today is that we not only have to confront those who, even after the fall of the wall and overwhelming evidence, continue to advocate for impoverishing socialism, but also our own leaders, thinkers and academics who, sheltered in a misguided framework, undermine the foundations of the system that has given us the greatest wealth and prosperity
0: in our history. Right. So he talks about that framework, this theoretical framework, the neoclassical framework, and that as a model, it opens the door for collectivism. All right, credit where it is due. I credited a fellow by the name of Matija Gurchik. I think he's Croatian. Um, It was on his YouTube channel that I found this A.I. translated English version of Javier Millet's speech at the World Economic Forum yesterday. Um, and so I, I gave him credit. I tweeted it out. He responded and he said he only lifted it and put it on his YouTube channel. <laughs> so the one who did it was a fellow by the name of Aaron Slodov. Slodov. Uh, Aaron Slodov. S-L-O-D-O-V. He's the one who actually did the, the AI translation. And again, this is just taking like, as I understand it, um, like chunks of how people sound. So this is Javier Malay's voice. And it just takes portions of their the tones and the sounds that people make, and then they run it through the AI program, and it constructs the entire speech based on a transcripted or based on a script. So they take this Spanish script, translate it into English, and then have the AI voice the English translation. So that's what you're hearing. This is AI, but it is based off of Javier Millet's voice. So this is what he sounds like, although it's AI. Does that make sense? I hope so. All right. Um, So Millet is describing in his speech uh, this um, uh, the theoretical neoclassical framework. He says that that model opens the door for collectivism as a solution to, quote-unquote, market failures, and that the people who adhere to this theoretical framework Right? They, they keep allowing in more and more collectivist approaches and, quote, solutions to the market failures rather than revise the premise of their model. On the text about a
1: supposed market failure, regulations are introduced that only generate distortions in the price system that hinder economic calculation and consequently savings, investment and growth. This problem essentially lies in the fact that not even supposedly libertarian economists understand what the market is, (gasps) since if it were understood, it would quickly be seen that it is impossible for there to be such a thing as a market failure. The market is not just a graphical description of a supply curve and a demand curve on a graph. The market is a mechanism of social cooperation where property rights are voluntarily exchanged. Thus, considering this definition... Discussing market failure is a contradiction in terms. There is no market failure. If transactions are voluntary, the only situation in which there can be a market failure is if there is coercion present. And the only one with the ability to coerce in a generalized manner is the state
0: that possesses the monopoly of violence. Oh, my gosh. See what I mean? This guy is awesome. I always try to describe, like, when people talk about the free market capitalist system and all that, it's you. It's me. We're all making decisions at every moment of the day, what to buy, when to buy it, how to buy it, where to buy it, how much are we willing to pay for it. This is why I'm against like these, quote, price gouging laws, right, where they try to restrict the price that you can pay, but it ignores all the risk and, and initial capital investment that was made in order to secure whatever it was like chainsaws after a hurricane and you bring them into, into the afflicted area. Right, and what happens if nobody wants to buy my overpriced chainsaws? I have to eat all that cost. Right, as long as it's a voluntary uh, exchange, right? There's 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 no coercion involved. That's the market. That's the market. There. So this idea, market failures do not exist, and if they do, there's probably some sort of a coercive action in the middle of it someplace. And when your model fails, he says, don't get angry with reality get angry with your model and then change
1: it the dilemma for the neoclassical model is that they aim to enhance market functioning by targeting perceived failures by doing so they not only open doors to socialism but also undermine economic growth for instance implementing regulations on monopolies dismantling their profits and obliterating increasing returns would inevitably annihilate economic growth in other words Each time you want to correct a presumed market failure, inevitably, due to not knowing the market or because you have become attached to a failed model, Mm. you are opening doors to socialism and condemning people to poverty. However, in the face of the theoretical demonstration that state intervention is harmful, the empirical evidence that it failed because it could not be otherwise, the solution that collectivists will propose is not greater freedom... But greater regulation, generating a downward spiral of regulations, until we all become poorer and the lives of all of us depend on a bureaucrat sitting in a luxury
0: office. I have goosebumps. I have goosebumps. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I am gay, but if I was gay, like this, this would be this would be my guy. I think. Like I would move to Argentina for this guy. Don't cry for me, Argentinians. I think I have a new uh, retirement idea. I think I've got a new plan, guys. As far as I know, he has no plans for suicide. Just uh, we want that clear. This guy I'm, I'm really afraid. Like this guy goes to the, he goes to the WEF and he says this to their faces and and he says more directly to them. We'll hear it in a minute. <laughs>